fans, Ryan Aho here and the one and only Burt Lehman. We're bringing you episode 164 of the One to Go show. And Burt, I'm sure you can probably hear it. So pardon me, fans, you know, I apologize. Um, I, I'm probably going to cough a little bit. As you can hear, I'm a little bit nasally. I got a great parting gift from my dad. I went down to visit my parents this weekend, and it, it was a great time. It was great seeing them guys down in Arizona. The weather was beautiful. Had Did a lot of really cool stuff down there. Got to see some things and actually got to visit with a former Superstock driver from back in the day that I rubbed elbows with, Dick Boji. Saw him over in Lake Havasu, but I kind of got the gift that keeps on giving. I, uh, I ended up with a little bit of a head cold. I ain't been sick in like three years, but... It is what it is, but hey, before we uh, get into it here, episode 164, I'm of course brought to you by Dirt Track Supply. Our friends over in Watertown, South Dakota, Ron, Trevor, the entire crew over there, they build the aero chassis. You know, they do anything you need racing related. If you need parts, if you need tires, if you need safety equipment, if you need fab work done, bumpers, bodies, whatever it may be, that's your go-to for all things racing especially in Wasota country, Western Minnesota, South Dakota, you name it, dirt track supply, Watertown, South Dakota, give those guys a call. Um, so Bert, kind of looking at this, I, I did a couple of things I mentioned, you know, I went down there and uh, we're going to, on this week's show here, right. We're going to talk about a few things, but one thing I want to touch on is everybody, you know, dogs, NASCAR, they dog the NFL. I mean, our dirt fans are loyal. There just ain't very many of them. My dad and I went to the Super Bowl experience, the, the pre-game, the day before festivities down there. I'm here to tell you, there was more people at the pre-day stuff, the stuff like day two, day one or day two before the Super Bowl, than you see at any dirt race. And I love dirt track racing, but I think our sport's in a little trouble. But that Is was that a great still, thing. Go ahead. Is that still called the NFL experience? It is. It is. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, um, back in 2003, uh, when I worked for the publishing company that I worked for, uh, uh, we set up a booth at the NFL experience every year because we had a uh, sports collectible sports card magazines and stuff. And, uh, okay. so yeah, in 2003, when it was in San Diego, myself and three coworkers went down there, went over there and, and worked it. <laughs> Me, I wasn't invited, Bert. I would. I could have been <laughs> I didn't right know man, that time. Now we're getting into excuses here. I, <laughs> well, I won't hold it against you. I won't hold it against you. And Next well, time. And funny thing is, you know, because um, you know, we are partners with the NFL and stuff on other projects, and we got um some tickets. We got two tickets to uh, the players' party um during nice. the week. So myself and one of my coworkers went to the players' party and. Uh, and one of the players I remember being there was Dante Culpepper. You know, I was, I wasn't very far away from Dante Culpepper. <laughs> that is super cool. That I, I think I'm in the wrong business here. I got to see some cool stuff, but I was hoping to see some players. We need to get into that. That sounds like you had a, had a pretty good time doing some of that stuff. So you know, on this week's show, Bert, we're going to talk a Wissota driver a week late, mind you. Right. But a Wissota driver found victory lane over in Sin City here this past weekend. Uh, we're going to take a little deep dive into that event, the uh, the Working Man Nationals over in Vegas. Not many fans. We're going to talk about that. We'll take a deep dive into that one. Open Wheel Frenzy. They had World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. 
and UMP Modifieds at the big half mile in Volusia. We're going to talk more about the late model action at Speed Weeks and our picks, of course, for the week and in our bold predictions, our standings. We're going to talk about that. But first, Bert, let's get into a blast to the past. Of course, brought to you by Impact Health Sharing. Impact Health Sharing, a great alternative to overpriced health insurance. If you're paying too much, some people, Bert, don't even have health insurance. They're like, I can't justify spending $1,500 a month and we never go to the doctor. Probably not the smartest thing. I kind of was one of those people for a while. My girlfriend set me straight. She said that is not, not an option anymore. So I had to become a responsible person and get health insurance. But the fact is, this is a great alternative. It's typically way cheaper. You can go to any doctor and uh, give me a call, 218-969-1380. I can get you a quote. I can get you some info if it's a good fit for you. We'll help you get enrolled. So, uh, Bert, episode 164, meaning that we're going to talk about with the blast of the past, as you know, but for some of our fans, we take a driver you know, from that doesn't race anymore. We kind of take a look back and if we don't have a 164, we talk about number 64, you know, it's kind of nice to go back down memory lane a little bit and talk about some of these drivers for years. So Bert, any 164s or 64s for you? I have, I don't have any 164s, but I have a 64. Um, B.J. Schenick uh, raced in the hobby stock division at Shano Speedway back in the uh, 1990s. So uh, that's that's the only driver that I have for number 64. And that's the heyday of racing, in my opinion, right? The 90s, early 2000s, it seems like seemed like the car counts were higher. The fan counts were higher. Racing was kind of at an all-time peak in, in, at that era. Any memories of him? Any memories of that driver? Is he still around? Do you know much about him? Um, he, I don't, well, I mean, he doesn't race anymore. Um, but you know, he, I know he raced a lot during the winter, uh, ice racing also. And, um, he was a, uh, um, you know, one of those drivers that didn't necessarily win a lot, but you know, he was at the track every week and, uh, you know, and, you know, like I've said before, um, you know, racing needs those types of drivers. Yeah, you're, you're not lying there. We need all kinds of drivers right now. We need the sport to grow. And I'm going to look back, and you mentioned ice racing. For those of you that live in the south that maybe haven't been up north in the winter, yes, people actually take vehicles. They go out on the lake in the wintertime on the ice, build racetracks, and race on the ice. That actually happens, right? People from the south are like, you're out of your mind. Probably, you know, cold sucks in general. But the fact is, so my girlfriend, Brenda, when we first started dating, well, I guess it's been a while, 2000, it would have been uh, the winter of 16 into 17. Bert, she come up to Minnesota and we didn't hit an ice race, but we ended up driving by a lake and sent over by Alexandria by Starbucks. We drove by a lake middle of the day and she just had this dumbfounded look. She looked out, she's like, why are all those houses out in the field? I'm like, uh, that's a lake. <laughs> like, She's like, what are you talking about? She's from Northern Illinois. They don't have ice fishing, ice racing, nothing. It doesn't get cold enough there. So I brought her out on the lake. She was about ready to have a heart attack. Brought her into one of the ice houses. And she's like, why do people do this? I'm like, it's pretty popular. You ever seen? So we had to go home and watch Grumpy Old Man, of course. And uh, she's like, that's actually real. I said, that is definitely real. So 
for those of you down south, ice racing is a thing, and it's it's pretty popular in a few areas up here, and it kind of keeps that racing vibe going, if, if you will, during the off-season. So I have a couple 64s, Bert, and one of them, I'm going to start with another. I, I like the legacies, right, the legacy families and, you know, that second, third, fourth generation type racing. And uh, a guy re- I remember growing up, and I didn't really know him well, but I've, I've talked to him multiple times in, in the years past. Super nice guy, Dennis Chikulski. Um, One of the guys that if you talk to anybody from the Twin Ports that raced with Dennis back in, I guess it would have been the 80s, early 90s, everybody has nothing but good things to say about him. Um, very, very good guy, very approachable, and just one of those friendly faces at the racetrack. He ran Modifieds, and I... I don't know if I have a picture of like the original modifieds from Wasota, but he was in that class for the original Wasota modifieds. And then his son, Kelly Chikulski, he ran multiple classes throughout the years. And I primarily remember him racing in the street stock division. He won a lot of races in the street stocks. And now his kid, Evan Chikulski, a third generation Chikulski, um, actually got a win or two under his belt, young driver up in the Twin Ports. So it's great to see that legacy carrying on the Chikulski name up in uh, northern Wisconsin, northern Minnesota. Speaking of northern Minnesota, I got one more here, Dan Sadek. So the Sadek name, if you're from Bemidji, Al Sadek and Al Sadek Jr., you know, they're still getting around the track a little bit. Dan Sadek, Nothing against DL, but Dan was the better of them all. He was actually the better driver. 1993 bird. I just about won my first track championship a long time ago. Dan Sadek edged me out in the Wasota Superstock Division over in Bemidji in 1993. Super nice guy. They had a shop together. Not sure what he's doing now, but uh, just another very good family in racing up in uh, northern Minnesota. So that's episode 64. Fans, like always. If you have any favorite 64s or stories about them or pictures, post them in the comments. We'd love to hear them. If you don't feel like posting it, send it to me or Bert. We can post that up there. Bert, this week it might have been tough for people to maybe send me stuff on Facebook. I'm not sure if you saw, but my <laughs> Facebook vanished. So, well, you see, on the, did, go ahead. Did, go ahead. Did, you, did you get your Facebook page back? No, I had to start a new one. I had to start a new one. So I actually okay. got together with the national security. Turns out one of those air, them hot air balloons or one of them things in the air that keep getting shot out of the sky. With soda actually purchased one of those. And, and they were doing a recon mission trying to shut down my Facebook page. And we weren't able to shoot <laughs> that one down until after they got my Facebook page. So they were trying to censor me. A donkey award to Wasota trying to censor me. They did. They did capitalize my Facebook page vanished, and I had to start a new one from scratch. What a pain in the ass, man! That that really sucked. But it is what it is. I got a Facebook page, so if, if you're wondering, right, go ahead and friend request me. You know, I had people ask me, yeah, you know, like, what did you not like me anymore? I'm like, my page disappeared. Relax, it's nothing to do with that. So it's kind of a crazy week, I guess. So. <clears throat> let's head out uh, head out to the desert Bert. um sin city las vegas the xr uh they had the working man nationals and the first thing i want to do is give a shout out ryan satter uh good dude and he's won a lot of races in the street stock division with soda streets at both fergus and at viking speedway in alexandria and he was so close and i actually picked him to win a race down in uh, Casa Grande there, 
didn't quite get it done, right? He came up a couple spots, multiple times, he came up second, so he kind of cost me a point there. Well, he did finally get Dixie Lane done the final night in Vegas, last lap pass for the win, probably the most exciting finish out there. So congratulations to Satter on getting it done out there. Quick little recap there, Bert. In the modified division, Colin Hibden, he ran a couple of soda shows at the end of the year last year. He parked in victory lane two of the three nights. Corey Kramer, who wins a lot of Wasota Street Stock Division races and IMCA mods out in Montana, rough week. Great to see him out there, but he had a really rough week for Kramer. And then in the B mods, we had several drivers from Wasota area out there. And I, I said, keep an eye on victory lane. And we came up just a little shy. Aaron Blacklands had a second. And I know he had a third as well. I can't remember what he finished on night number three, but he was so close to getting in victory lane. Um, Cody Thompson, Dylan Thornton got it done. Jake Smith had a really good run one of the nights, 23rd to 5th. So some, some B mods out there as well. In the stock cars, I mentioned Satter. He got a fourth, a second, and a first, respectively. Troy Cepak Jr. and um, uh, Jeremy Castro both made the trip out there, ran respectable. They got a couple top fives in the mix there. For Beckham was out there. He ran pretty well also. But uh, Ryan Satter, who's kind of the cream of the crop as far as Wasota drivers out in Sin City. But I, I got a question. and I, I tried looking online, Bert, and I know you kind of took a little bit of a glance at some of this stuff too. Maybe somebody knows, is there like a COVID protocol going on like in <laughs> Vegas or something? I mean... Because, I mean, there, there's no way the grandstands were that empty. Like, was it a – do you know offhand, was that like a fanless race or – I do not what? know. I, my guess is it was not a fanless race. Uh, yeah, that's some – Not many fans. <laughs> I'm telling you what, the one night, I bet you there wasn't 25 people in the grandstands. You know, I'm looking at that, I'm like, how is this a good thing, right? I argued with Barry Braun here a couple of years ago. Not really argued, but strong debate. We'll put it that way. And I'm like, we got to quit promoting racing to people that are already, I mean, yeah, you got to inform people that are already race fans, right? That there's racing going on. But like, if, if that's all you're counting on for race fans to attend races, this sport is going to be in big trouble, especially with a platform that he has XR and you've got, Dirt Race Central, you've got Dirt Vision, Flow, you've got all these streaming platforms. A lot of your die-hard race fans are watching these events online, right? So in order for this sport to grow, we got to put an emphasis, Bert, on building the fan base. Now, this is going to be a rant, right? This is kind of going to be a, a topic. And it, I, we talked about this last year, probably the year before, too. Seems to fall on deaf ears. And and trust me, Bert, when I, when I talk about this, I'm not banging on any promoters or I'm not banging on specials. We just love racing, right? And, and you and I, that's, we're passionate about racing. And we want racing to be here, you know, all the way until we die, right? And hopefully that's a long time from now. I want to be able to enjoy this sport for a very long time. But it's, it's going down a path right now to where I don't know what it's even going to look like in five years, ten years. It's not a good deal. The sport is going in the wrong direction. And I have people saying, oh, man, they had record crowds down in East Bay and Volusia. Them are specials. <laughs> them are specials. Them are doing fine, but you can't count your whole season on like, hey, we had a special for a Lucas Oil race. That, that's not how you can determine the, the strength of our sport. 
you look at car counts, you look at fan counts on weekly races, they're down. They're down. We, we, we can't argue that. The, the, the debate on classes, too many classes, class rules, we're not going to go down that road today other than one thing. Well, I just picked modifieds, for example. Bert, do you know how many modified classes there are in our region? Well, we we only have two in eastern Wisconsin. Really? Unless you count spring cars. Yeah, so I'm going to call modifies, right? In our region, when I say our region, I'm talking Minnesota, Wisconsin, North and South Dakota, maybe Canada, maybe you can filter in a little Illinois. You got oh, well, eight. I, I, Saying sanction, sanction modifies all, or all of the above, all of the above. So okay. you have A mods, A mods, and B mods in Wissota, IMCA, USRA, UMP. You got non-sanction. I mean, we got like ten modified classes within our region, and and that's a problem all by itself. Like somebody has to get their shit together as far as these rules and like combine that at least down to two and make it so that everything's the same so that can fix that problem. But where I'm going to go with this, Bert, is we need to build the fan base. There was a time when special events, right, only really occurred at the end of the year, especially in our region. I'm, like, I'm more focused on the Wissota stuff. You guys never really had the Labor Day weekend on no. two-day invitational stuff in your area. No, pretty you kind of did, right? Because you you make the trip to the 100. You make the trip over to the Punky. I mean, the 100 well, we, started at Marshfield. We had to travel. So real far. Yeah, we had to travel to go to specials at the end of the year. Yeah, and, and how far was Marshfield from, from you guys? What, two hours, two and a half hours? Yeah, probably about two hours. Yeah, so I mean, for years, the 100 was there before it moved over to Cedar Lake, but you look at that and everybody they we're in special mentality right and this isn't just our region this is throughout the country the problem with specials is any dumbass can have a special event oh look our special is so bright right well a special is going to be successful if you're doing it at a track like superior where you have a big fan base already and all you have to do is have a special and people show up when you have a special out in vegas and they don't have a fan base and you have eight people in the grandstands it's kind of a cool event for racers, but how is that? That's not building the sport, right? That does not do anything to build the sport. Again, there's a necessity for specials. So don't, don't blow my feet up saying, oh man, you hate special events. You want everybody to get paid regular pay. No, I like specials. And part of the problem is what's all we talk about most of the time is the specials. We don't talk about regular events quite as much, right? But there was a time, Bert, where weekly racing throughout the year was utilized to build a fan base so that way when you did have a special you'd have a lot of fans from your area that you built up that fan base throughout the entire season to have to have really good specials you look at in our in our area legendary 100 was soda 100 the grandstands are empty empty like literally you got grandstands on both sides of the track in fergus falls and there's like nobody there right and you know, they're like, wow, you know, I can't, we got to get more people to this special. Well, Bert, if you brought a new person to an invitational, right, never been to a race before, they would never come back ever because they aren't going to sit there for six, seven, eight hours 
be bored out of their mind and be like, this? You're like, you're going to sit here all day for this? I think that people got to bring fans to weekly shows. And those weekly shows, what what's a number that comes to mind for you? A good weekly show should be done in what time frame? Um, three to four hours. And I think four hours is way stretching it, way stretching it. See, we got to look at, you're a diehard racer. You can sit and watch race and they ain't going to watch eight hours worth probably, but you can sit there for four because you love racing. But you, let's look at it from the scope of a, a person that doesn't really know anybody at the races. Two and a half, three hours. I think that you get two and a half, two and three quarter on a regular weekly show. That way you can do some things after the races to build the culture. I think these, these regular race programs that are going five, six hours long, this, they don't get it. Oh yeah. That's, that's too long. Yeah. And specials are the same thing though. Right. They're like, Oh man, we're having a special 10 classes of cars. It's like, dude, Quit advertising that shit. Nobody wants to see 10 classes. Well, that, that's, that's the problem with specials for some tracks. They think that adding, adding more divisions creates a special. And yes, it, I mean, it's something new for the fans, but you know, you're right. I mean, diehards will sit through that, but um, the casual fan you know, the person that you're hoping to turn into um, more of a diehard, they're not going to sit through all that. You're exactly right. You know, Jason Tennis, a buddy of mine, um, he, they actually sponsors Diamond Buick DMC. They sponsor um, some stuff over at the Viking Speedway at Alex. A couple years back, he brought some employees and stuff to the races. They left at intermission. He was beside himself. He's like, I did my part. He was super upset about it. Well, two things there's two parts to this in my opinion okay take it for what it's worth i've been around the sport my whole entire life i've done about every aspect of everything okay i'm not saying that i know everything but i do know one thing our sport is dying and we need more fans we all know that we got to fill the grandstands so promoters right again not banging on anybody i'm not going to call anybody out i'm not going to do any of that but promoters i hope somebody listens to this and i get it some of them are board run tracks and they're doing all this for free and that's tough, right? I know how much time it takes to even have a race if you're doing it for free. There's only so much time to put into it, right? I get that, right? I get that. I understand that. I've been there. But emphasis number one, Bert, is you should be focused as a promoter to fill the grandstands every week, right? The, the most expensive ticket in the grandstands or the most expensive seat is the empty one for a racetrack. And, you know, you go to a lot of these racetracks, Bert, and they're getting three, four, five hundred people on a regular night. I'm going to use, I'll use Proctor as an example. It's in Duluth, Minnesota. There's over a hundred thousand people in the 25 mile radius and they can't get a thousand people in the grandstands on a weekly night. Come on, right? Come on. So, and that's not just there. That's, that's everywhere. So there's a big difference, Bert, between promoting and advertising. And, and a lot of promoters, they just don't get this. Right? They don't understand. They're like, well, we put something out on Facebook. We had something on the radio. We had something in the newspaper. And people aren't showing up. That's advertising. Nobody listens to the radio anymore. Very, very few people. Nobody reads a newspaper anymore. 
So, Bert, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to use Shauna as an example because that's your home track, and that's where you go weekly. Let's say that somebody lives in – that track's kind of tucked back behind a little bit, right? You can't – it's tucked in in the fairgrounds there. Like, when you're driving down the road, you kind of got to – I had to look for it. I, I couldn't – I didn't see it driving on the road. Um, If you're driving on the main drag, yeah, I mean – I mean, there's a sign that says Shawano County or, you know, Shawano County Fairgrounds and it, it, they get, they have an electronic sign now, but yeah, I mean, right. if it wasn't marked, um, you know, they have uh, fencing up around the track. So you can't even tell it's a racetrack unless you're driving down one of the side streets and you look and then you, you can see the big grandstand. Um, so yes, exactly. Well. And then they're like, well, what is that? Right. So if you're, let's say that somebody's, they like cars. Maybe they're not a race fan to where they're looking for it. Well, man, is there a racetrack here? But they like cars. They'd probably go if they knew there was a race. And they moved to town and they just kind of, they got life going on. They go to work every day. How do they even know there's a racetrack in Shano? Um, they do some radio advertising. Um uh, depending who the marketing person is, um, they have a really active uh, Facebook presence. Um, I mean, Brad is back. Brad Lipke's back as the marketing oh, person this year. And okay. like every every Saturday morning, uh, when he drives from his home in Bondwell to Shano, which is about you know ten to fifteen minute drive, he has like a um, a live thing on facebook where he previews what the night's races are going to be mm -hmm. um and you know who's who's sponsoring the races at night and you know that's if he's heard of any surprise drivers who are going to be there he'll mention that and stuff like that and here's the problem right is a you mentioned radio i'm telling you what man the vast majority of people under the age of 35 40 do not have have not listened to a radio station in years Right. If they're listening to something, oh. it's serious or it's YouTube and or whatever. The, the thing with radio, and I mean, I do this when I am listening to the radio. I mean, a lot of people um, don't listen to broadcast radio. They'll have serious, you know, serious right. XM and, and, and stuff like that. But when I listen to the radio, if it, you know, if the song's over and they're going to a commercial, I do the same thing as when I'm watching TV. I hit a preset yep. button and go to a different station. <laughs> Correct. And, and so, so that's not really quite as effective. Facebook, again, with the algorithms on Facebook, if you're not like, if you don't follow the Shano Speedway page, for example, probably pretty good odds, you'll never even see an ad. You'll never even see it on Facebook. It won't even pop up in your newsfeed. Grand Rapids is the same deal. I, I help up in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. And on the south, the, the racetrack, if you haven't been to Grand Rapids, is on the northeast side of town, um, way tucked up in, in the corner on the very north side of town. Well, the most populous area of town, Bert, is the south side of town. That's where they got, you know, Lake Pacagama, you know, golf course down there. So my dad's out getting sponsors. And he's talking to local businesses in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. And he's like, would you like to advertise up at the racetrack? And their answer was, what racetrack? And he's like, the one here in Grand Rapids. They had no idea that there was a dirt track in Grand Rapids. No clue, had no idea. So you got to get unique, creative ways 
to even let people in the area know that there's racing going on. Get out in the public, you know, be in, involved with all the different stuff in the community, Little League and all that, you know, be at the car shows, all of that type of stuff to really get out in front of things. That's marketing. Now, the flip side of this, bird is if you get them there, right? If you get them there, you need to, they need to be entertained enough to where they want to come back again, right? Because we don't want a one and done fan. Now, we're both race fans. It's a little different for us than it is for most people. But even myself, if I go to a race bird and I don't know anybody at all, right? Nobody. If I don't have one clue who anybody is or a points battle or what, I am so bored. It's not even funny. Yeah, nobody to cheer for, nobody to cheer against. So I have a challenge, right? I have a challenge to race fans and drivers and people out there. In 2023, step number one is bring somebody new to the races that has never been there before. I think that if everybody did that, Bert, right? If everybody just brought one new family to the racetrack every year, there'd be a lot more people exposed to this great sport, right? But number two is talk to the track promoter that you're going to and do what you can to bring those fans. You know, if I was bringing new fans up to like say Hibbing or Grand Rapids or Proctor, I'd go talk to the promoter and say, I got some new people here that have never been to the race. Have never. Can I bring them through the pits before the races and introduce them to some people? And what I would recommend doing is you, you take somebody in every class that's there. Hopefully there's only four, not 12, right? So that's a whole other topic. But introduce them to somebody in each of those classes. So when they do go in the grandstands, Bert, now they have somebody to cheer for. That is so vital. I promise you that most promoters, if you did that, would be like, I tell you what, why don't you go through the pits for a little bit? And then come back out, out, you know, go up in the grandstands or they get you a golf cart or they get you a four wheeler or something to bring them around on. Or heck, they might even bring them themselves. That is such a huge part because they got to be engaged and then get the races done early enough to where people can go down in the pits afterwards and have that culture like they used to have. This sport is dying, Bert. It's killing me. It actually, it literally drives me insane knowing where the sport is heading and then seeing events like that. Um, event they had out in Vegas with nobody in the grandstands. I'm like, that does not bode well for the future. Hopefully somebody wakes up. I mean, any other thoughts on that topic before we jump on to the next one? Um, well, I mean, one thing is, has any race in Vegas had a decent fan fan World count? of Outlaw Sprint Cars. <laughs> Yeah, when they have the world of I mean, I understand why you have events there. I mean, the weather's nice. Uh, it's Vegas, but that's another that's another thing though that limits your fan count is it's Vegas. There's so many other things to do there other than go to a dirt race. Yeah, and, and that's the case everywhere, but more so Vegas. I mean, you're yeah. you're spot on. I mean, there's so much to do there. And and I don't understand his logic. Right. I mean, whatever. He can do whatever he wants. It's his money, whatever he wants to do, whatever makes him happy. I don't care. But why on it makes no sense. Like, why would you purposely keep scheduling events at a racetrack that literally gets you empty grandstands every single time you do it? And, and quite honestly, I mean, how many of them shows last year that XR had the Monday shows, Tuesday shows and all that? 
it didn't matter where they were. They had a lot of empty grandstands at their events. So that tells you right there that uh, somebody doesn't understand promoting. I can tell you that for sure. Well, and there comes a point when you saturate the market too much. I mean, yes, Vegas and Florida aren't close to each other, but with streaming, you know, you can stay home or go someplace else and watch the stream of, of uh, the Outlaws or uh, Lucas, uh, um, you know, race it late model races you have uh modifieds going on in florida also uh you have sprint car racing going on in florida also so i mean there's a lot of even though the two venues aren't close to each other geographically there's a lot of racing going on and with streaming they are close to each other <laughs> because right. you, you you have the choice of what what to stream or not yeah you're exactly right and, and jeff actually mentioned he goes kind of looking forward to a little break. We've got a couple of weeks off where there's really not much racing going on. He goes, they've been racing basically every day for a month, you know, mm -hmm. and that, that's a problem. Less is more. Less is, you don't need the, you're right. Saturating the market is not good for anybody. We do not need more and more and more races. We don't need that. We need less and we need more quality is what we need. And I don't know. I, I, I guess if somebody can figure that out, it would be, it'd be nice. I mean, if somebody owns a racetrack and they want to hire somebody to give this a whirl, uh, give me a call. I'd be happy to, I got a couple ideas <laughs> in mind. I'd love to do it. You know, I, my, my passion is not having specials and all that type of stuff. My passion is I want to be able to say at the end of the year, we had the fullest grandstands around. And if you can do that, you're going to have a successful race program and a successful future um, so we got to figure out how to fill the grandstand. So let's jump on to a little recap from this last week and more Speed Weeks action for the late models down in Florida. Before we do that, quick shout out, Brad Parson. We've got all the solutions for everything agricultural. Um, lots of, I mean, we know the right chemicals applied at the right time, you know, to the right things yield the best results. Well, he's got the chemicals you need for a very successful farming season in 2023. He's got stuff for all the different seasons. I'll be honest. I don't know much about farming. I do like to eat. So there's definitely some benefits there, right? But the fact is, if you want to be more profitable, higher yields, give Brad a call. 320-219-3542. That's Brad Parson for Racers by Racers. Get the right stuff to have a great 2023 season. So, Bert, what stuck out to you? Uh, I guess... Basically, the, the week of East Bay, a couple nights in the book down at Volusia. What uh, kind of wet your palate there a little bit, so to well, speak? Well, I think you got to go with um, um, the Rocket House car. Um, you know, it's, you know, we, we discussed this last year somewhat, you know, uh, because, you know, I think we all agreed that Brandon Shepard didn't have the year last year that we, you know, that he's had in previous years. So, you know, was it the, the house car, you know, what was the deal? And now, now he's in his own ride. And now all of a sudden, the, you know, Hudson O'Neill's in the house car and uh, he's strung together some really, really good races here. Yeah, he sure has. I mean, and literally he won three in a row and he quite honestly should have won four in a row because he won night one at, at Volusia 
And then night number two, he went, what, from 11th to second and was just going to the outside of T-Mac, boom, jumped the cushion, slipped back, got third. He had the best car. And, you know, we talked, everybody, not just us, but other podcasts, everybody was talking about the, the sheer domination that Longhorn started the season with. I think it was like 15, somewhere around 15, give or take, um, in a row, when, you know, where they won every night. And then Rocket went on a tear, not just the house car, but six straight wins for Rocket Turbo getting them started. Night number one at East Bay, Ashton Winger, night two, Ryan Gustin, night three, and then three in a row for the Rocket one of Hudson O'Neill. I, I tell you what, somebody woke a sleeping giant. They poked the bear a little bit right there. And uh, Mark Richard says, uh, uh, we're not irrelevant. This ain't Longhorn Neal anymore. Like, I'm still Mark Richards. We're still rocket chassis and we're still relevant in dirt late model racing. And man, they proved that because I mean, you look at all the Longhorns, Hudson O'Neill's been absolutely lights out. Uh, what's what do you think's going through Brandon Shepard's mind right now? Well, I mean, it, I mean, you know, I don't know the real reason why he left the rocket house car. Um, you know, sometimes the driver just wants to, uh, see if they can do it on their own prove to themselves they can do it on their own but yeah i mean he's got uh he's got to be feeling it a little bit you know because he hasn't won yet and um you know there's been some races where he's been totally out in, in left field um so uh i'm sure it's weighing on him a little bit yeah it, and there's been a lot of races where they've been side by side and next thing you know hudson ends up ahead of him at the end of the race it's got to be a little bit painful and, and quite honestly he might be the the least competitive of all the longhorns out there right now that that i would consider top tier drivers i mean maybe it's a shock deal i'm not really sure it sure seems to be maybe the shock deal because all the wells cars are on penske's all the rumley deals on bill steins and he's he's i think the only one or one of the only ones on the integras um so that's interesting rtj leaving the Lucas or leaving the week, you know, speed weeks as the point leader in Lucas oil, Hudson O'Neill second in a rocket second, right? T-Max there, but you got Longhorn one rocket. Number two, Hudson O'Neill definitely in the conversation. Speaking of rockets. So there's one guy out there, Bert, that looks better in a little bit different flavor of chassis than he looks in his own rocket. And that's squirrel, Brian Shirley. Is it is it me, or does he look noticeably better in the in the uh, um, Fergie owned number eight than he does in his rocket car? Um, I, he did run well in that car, and yeah, I have I you know I haven't looked at the results real close, but yeah, he hasn't been running near the front um, with this car like he was previously. Yeah, I was surprised, you know, and quite honestly, those them Team Zero cars on the big half-mile tracks are really good. They're not quite as good on the turn-and-burn stuff, but on the half-mile tracks, them, them cars are very fast, and Dale McDowell made his debut for Speed Weeks uh, last night, which would have been Tuesday. I know he took Wednesday off, and he's going to come back Thursday, but he went out right away, won the heat, and then he did not put on new tires for the feature. He's like, they ain't paying nothing. Like they, he goes, I'm, we're not going to spend $800 in tires just, just cause. 
So they that's why they skipped uh, Volusia earlier in the year, it's that tire deal and how much the tires are costing. So he's like, we'll just run on on these tires here, get one night in, get it under the books, and we'll put new fresh stuff on each night for the World of Outlaw shows. So that's another Team Zero car very fast on there. And uh, one last thing on East Bay, um, of course, as everybody knows, we've been talking about it. Next year, 2024, is going to be the final speed weeks at East Bay. But they did make an announcement there, Bert, that in October of 24, they're going to have the finale, a three-night um, event being capped off by a 50000 a win um, Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model event at the Clay at the Bay. So that's pretty cool. So what do you say we do uh, some open wheel stuff, jump over to Volusia. They had uh, UMP Dirt Modifies there, Bert. They had World of Outlaw Sprints. Before we do, give a little shout out to our friends over at buyracesearch.com. So drivers, track promoters, series promoters, um, sponsors, business owners, if you need apparel, if you need t-shirts, hoodies, hats, you name it, go to buyracesearch.com. Jordan Tollickson and the crew down there in Montevideo, Minnesota. They do a fantastic job of a big racing family down in Western Minnesota. And uh, they'll take good care of you. They've got a lot of different options. You can buy low quantities, high quantities. There's a couple different ways to do it. Check it all out at buyracerts.com. But Bert, down at Volusia, uh, we'll start with the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. Did you did you watch? Uh, I know they had all-star sprints leading into that as well. But did you watch World of Outlaws down there? Um, I did not watch any of the World of Outlaws down there. Um, I, I did see the results. Uh, I did have one, one of my picks <laughs> finally hit. So, uh, uh, well, it's funny because, uh, and uh, we'll get into this later on, um, but when at first when I heard Brad Sweet won a, won a feature, I thought it was a World of Outlaw feature, but it turns out that he won an all-star feature. So he did. He did. <laughs> David Gravel doubling up, winning both nights in the world of Outlaws. And remember, he came up just short last year um, of winning his first world of Outlaw title. This could be his year. I tell you what, he's been getting faster and faster, very consistent. Keep an eye on the deuce. David Gravel getting apparel wins down on the big half mile. And then in the UMP modifies, this is one of, it's not the biggest so don't crucify me for saying it right but it's one of the biggest mod weeks mod dirt modified weeks in the in the country i mean it's a huge week over a hundred cars down there and remember they don't pay very well they pay five grand to win for the big gator but they don't pay very well in all the qualifiers throughout the week and uh, they still get over a hundred cars down there <clears throat> and and the fact of the matter is i got to give a tip of the cap to the crew down at Volusia because they were supposed to run the qualifying, all the heat races on Friday for the big Gator race, which was supposed to be Saturday. And next thing you know, they're like, Hey, we're going to get it all in tonight. And I texted Chris step and I'm like, why are they running it all tonight? What, what's going on? They're like hundred percent chance of rain tomorrow. They wanted to make sure that they got that 5,000 to win race in for the modifies. So sliding it in on Friday night, tip of the cap to them. A lot of transport might not have done that. They might have looked at that and said, hey, if it rains out, eh, I guess we don't have to pay that out, right? And they looked at it and said, you know what? We want to make sure the drivers get an opportunity. It was a little foggy, kind of treacherous out there. But uh, hats off to them for getting that done. And a couple of shout outs here. Well, first of all, I mean, I think everybody was kind of 
keeping an eye on Ethan Dotson, right? We're like, this dude has been unbelievable over the last year, and he's only getting faster. First three nights, he won qualifiers. First three nights, right? Then he ran. It would have been they ran another feature where they where they split him, and he was in the top feature. Well, they inverted it, so he started tenth, and they had to shorten it. He got third. Not sure he would have won, but he was fast, and he's DNF right away, like lap three of the big show. He redrew. They, they redrew the top two from each heat, Bert, which was 12 cars, and he redrew 12 out of 12. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, that, that's my pick. That's and my I, pick. I what, that was, yeah, that was a lot of our picks. I don't know what happened. I think he just – I don't know if he had motor problems or or if it was just foggy. And he, I don't know what the deal was. My guess is he must have had some kind of a mechanical issue. Have not heard of somebody knows posted in the comments, but Ethan Dotson uh, unable to finish. But uh, the high side pickler, Kyle Strickler, he, he skipped mo- uh, late model week at East Bay to run the modified at Belusha. It paid off. He, he won two of the qualifying nights, and then he won the big gator. He's got multiple. I don't know exactly how many, but he's got multiple big gators down there at Belusha. So Kyle Strickler, very good on the big half mile. <clears throat> but one shout-out I want to give, Bert, is to 19-year-old Michael Leach. This driver from Sun River, Montana. So it's kind of out there. We got Wasoda tracks out there. He runs an IMCA mod. He also ran a B mod at Wasoda Midwest mod out there. But 19 years old, Bert, he's uh, so if you, the leech name, I looked that up. So we've all heard of Longhorn by Lowenbro, right? That Lowenbro name. That's his, I believe his dad that owns, or maybe dad, grandpa, but it's his family that owns Lowenbro, which is a huge business out in Montana. And of course, Lowenbro is tied in with Longhorn. And that's how Steve Arpin got tied in with that whole Longhorn deal down there. But this 19-year-old Bert, in his five nights down there, he had one rough night, he got 13th. But a third, a pair of sixth, and a seventh in the big show, very respectable run down there for a 19-year-old Michael Leach. And I know your boys from Eastern Wisconsin ran pretty well, too. I know that... uh. Old Benji Lacrosse, Mike Mullen, um, they had they had pretty good weeks down there also. Yeah, they, I think they made pretty much every feature, uh, qualifying features, and uh, they both made the big show, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe Benji finished ninth in the feature. Yeah. Um, yeah, he looked pretty I, solid too. I mean, I I kind of expected that because I mean it's a big track, kind of like Spano, and and the first night. Um, they both got third or fourth. I think one got third, one got fourth. But Mike Mullen had a hint of smoke there. I don't know if it was anything that maybe kind of hurt the motor yeah. a little bit. I'm not I, sure, I'm not sure uh, what was wrong with the motor, but he did post on Facebook after that first night that uh, they had some motor issues they had to figure out. And if they didn't couldn't figure them out, that they are going to be headed home. Uh, but they must have figured them out. So, so right. he kept racing the rest of the week. Yeah, it was cool to see that. I mean, really one was soda type guy down there, and, and Michael Leach. Other than that, had a couple Wisconsin guys. Not, you know, obviously the the cost of traveling to Florida is way higher than it was ten years ago, right? And in the payout's really not that great, so I can see why they don't go down there. Um, remember Charlie Medford at at that young, I think 16, 17, somewhere in that age group. Remember at Gateway, he rolled over and he's like, "You can't park here." Remember oh, that? Yeah. He actually won one of the qualifying nights down there. And I tell you what, he was emotional, right? And and I, I give him a, some grief because I'm like, not him, 
but just the event, it's like all these every night having five, six features or whatever they were having. I'm like, this is so dumb. Like, what are they doing? I mean, they can call them qualifiers. Don't necessarily call them features. But on the flip side of that, you got Charlie Medford getting one of them done. And that was one of, I mean, he was super excited. It was a big deal to him. So eh, maybe it's not all bad, right? That, that you have an opportunity for more people to win. I guess there's, there's some good sides to that as well. And there was another name in motorsports that was running a modified down at Volusia. Remember who that was? Travis Pastrano. Yes. Yeah. And he's raced everything under the sun, right? I mean, he's raced a lot of different stuff and on on the night where they actually took the whole field and they split it up, I think five features they had and they split up the top 15 or 18 and feature one. Well, he was in the the back end of that deal, but he did win a Gator. Kind of. All right. I mean, a win's (laughs) a win. I mean, he was in, it's kind of like running the E-Main at the Chili Bowl or whatever, but it's still kind of a cool deal because he, he only raced a couple times and a modified jumped in and he found his way to victory lane. So a cool accomplishment for him. But did you see he's also going to try to make the Daytona 500 this week? Uh, yeah, I did see that. So uh, that dude right there is good for racing. Yeah, um, actually, I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday night and I actually have Daytona qualifying on the TV right now. So, <laughs> okay, okay. And so they got qualified. Do you know off chance, Bert, how many cars? Um, I know because I think that what top 36 are locked in, right? Other than that, how do you know how many additional cars there are vying for an actual spot in the Daytona 500? I do not know if they have, I do not know how many are vying for, for a spot. Uh, we'll right, keep now, an eye on that. right now, it looks like. Maybe they're just listing the top 20 so far. Okay. Um, okay. So. So, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. But our weekly pickums, Bert, let's jump into that. Our boy Jeff, he jumped into the lead this week. And then he said he fell flat on his face after that. I don't think that worked out well. So we'll that's going to change for next week. But Jeff's at 21. Kurt is at 18. Me and Kent are both at 17 and happy birthday, by the way. Um, I, I think uh, I think Kent had a birthday either today or yesterday or whatever. So happy birthday to him. Brad and Mike are one point behind me at 16. So it's close. It's tight. Bert had a little bit of a gain this week. You're at nine now. And Dan and, and uh, Carl are at eight. So a lot of racing left to, left to go here. It's still early in the season, but highly highly contested remember the winner of this deal they get a free car or something at the end of it all yeah the the, the race i picked hudson o'neill to win he crashed in a seat race and never came back out so so really what we got to do is watch a year well, no, that, that's the old work it'll say watch who you're picking and do the opposite but you won two years in a row so that might not be a very good strategy on our part so we'll see how that goes so this week Bert, we're picking five of the six nights at Volusia of course tonight Wednesday night they did the split features with three features we're not picking that night we're not going to do the split feature deal Volusia big block modifieds come in Thursday Friday Saturday we're going to pick all three nights of those and uh, two nights for the all-star sprints over at East Bay so let's jump into the last lap Bert brought to you by Zuli's race engines and a, a happy birthday this week also to Frank Zuli 
right? Uh, proud sponsor of the show. We appreciate everything they do, not only for our show, but for racing in general. And I said that you're going to see a Zuli race engine in victory lane. And I was kind of hoping Satter had one, but I, I looked on the page and I, I don't think he does. But Aaron Blacklands was so close out there to getting it down one spot short. But I tell you one thing we know for sure is keep an eye on their Facebook page throughout the 2023 season because there's going to be a lot of Zuli race engines in victory lane. If you can't meet them, join them, Zuli race engines. So, Bert, let's do a little quick uh, who's hot, who's not. Who do you got right now that's just red hot? Wow. I mean, we talked about them all. A lot already tonight, and I mean, you have to go with Hudson Hudson O'Neill uh, on the who's hot list. Yeah, Huddy's been impressive. I mean, in his last four, he got three wins and a third. And then the one night he didn't, I think he broke something in the heat because he didn't come out for the B main that, that previous night. But then right before yeah, he, that, he, he, hit, he hit the wall. He hit the wall. Okay, that's what happened. So <laughs> In the last six or the last seven nights, he had the one night where he hit the wall, didn't come out for the B. Other than that, the last six nights, his worst finish was third. Three first, two seconds, and a third. I'd say you're pretty spot on. <coughs> He's definitely hot. Another guy I have that's pretty hot right now, especially at Volusia, T-Mac. Three seconds and a win at Volusia right now. And I tell you what, he he's just that steady, steady person. He's like He's always in the conversation. So T-Mac would also be on my hot list. Who's not? Um, I'm going to go with Jimmy Owens, um, partly because also there's some news about Jimmy Owens coming out this last week. Did you see that? I did not. What do you got? Uh, he is going to be following the Outlaw Tour this year. Okay. And I believe... <laughs> I believe they said that's the first time ever he'll be following the outlaw tour. Well, that'll be a good addition right there. I mean, that's a guy right there where he's been struggling a little bit, but they'll figure it out. I mean, it's Jimmy Owens. He's one of the best to strap in. Well, B-Ship's kind of the easy target here too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about uh, uh, the outlaw tour. I mean, I think it was either last year or the year before we kind of debated, you know, which series has the better roster of drivers. And we kind of concluded that the, the elite drivers, more of the elite drivers are following the Lucas series. Um, but, you know, that that's kind of changed this year. It, it's kind of mixed pretty well this year, actually. It is. We'll revisit that topic at the end of March, right? Let's get yeah. through the end of March and kind of see how everything shuffles out, who stays, who goes. But, yeah, you're right. Right now it's looking pretty even, which is, is good for racing all around. So another another guy that um, Mike's going to be butthurt about this one, but Jonathan Davenport, I mean, is that a guy right there that could just, like, skip speed weeks from now on? Mm-hmm. Like, he, just doesn't, oh, he just doesn't run well at speed week. Is he racing this week? No. Well, okay. he hasn't yet, and I, I feel okay. like he's there. I think he might be running the world of all that stuff, but I'm not positive on that. Okay. But he has not raced as of yet. So Super Bowl this past week, Bert, did you uh, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yes, yes. So I was I was happy to see the Kansas City Chiefs got her done. Right, I was happy to see that. So, are, do you have Twitter? I do not have Twitter. I have Twitter. I don't really tweet. Um, I'm on there. I kind of follow. You know, 
I, I get the notifications and sometimes I take a peek at it. Brittany Mahomes. Okay. That is, that's uh, um, Patrick Mahomes' wife. Okay. Now, I'm not going to call, I'm not going to get myself killed. So I'm not going to say any names. Right. But every racetrack has this. Brittany Mahomes is the racer's wife. Right. That literally the racer's good and everybody likes the racer, right? They're, they're top notch. But then they, all of a sudden they hate the racer because the wife just won't shut up, right? And, and don't mention any names. We don't need hate mail going to you, Bert. But every, I know some drivers that are right off the top of my head. I'm like, this dude is really good. Like the racers like this guy, but all the fans hate him because his wife is so out of control in the grandstands. I think every track has one or two of those. If you have Twitter, follow Brittany Mahomes because you'll be like, she's going to like literally get it to where everybody in the country hates Patrick Mahomes because she is like way out of control. And I, I'm i like, that relates to racing because there's definitely some racer wives out there that do the same thing as her. And it's like, tone her down just a little bit. Like we don't need to cause drama when drama is not needed. Daytona 500 week this week, Bert. Any predictions? Um, I don't have any predictions. Um, I just wanted to make some comments that uh, it just seems like Daytona 500 week used to be so much more of a big deal in the past, where it just doesn't seem like that big of a deal now anymore. I mean, I, you know, they used to take a week in January where where they would just test at Daytona they don't do that and like uh Denny Hamlin has uh his own podcast now through uh Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s uh, media company and um he's he he asked the question for the biggest race of the year why doesn't NASCAR allow its drivers to have at least one test session before qualifying. I mean, they weren't even allowed onto the track to test uh, before they tried to qualify tonight. I mean, I understand really? they're they're doing this to you know save the team's money, um, but I mean, give them one test session just to shake things out. <laughs> that is crazy. I did not know that. That's interesting. You know, and and I can tell you right now, we don't hear about it because there's so much dirt racing going on, right? That's Back true. in the day, there was no streaming. So if you're a race fan, you were following it on network television, following all the Speed Weeks action. Well, now we got so much, you know, modified late model, sprint car, all that going on. It's like, oh, yeah, the Daytona 500 is happening too, right? But I promise you this, I that place is going to be full. That place oh, yeah. will be absolutely jam-packed and and, and that, that brings back my conversation from earlier. It's like, what in the world is going on with dirt racing? I mean, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, but I feel like dirt racing is a better product than NASCAR. I feel like it's more entertaining. I mean, we've all seen dirt races. They're like, oh, that one kind of sucked. It wasn't very good. But we've seen dirt races where you're like, that was amazing, right? And I think you know, if, if you have to just go apples to apples, I think you're going to see a higher percentage of dirt races be entertaining than NASCAR races. That's just me. But NASCAR has, I mean, it's amazing how full the grandstands you know, are for some of these events. And it's not even close. Dirt racing is not even on the same stratosphere 
And I think this comes down to how that's promoted. And I think that's something that needs to change. So not saying NASCAR is perfect because it's not, but it no, I mean, definitely I mean, NASCAR has its own attendance issues at, you know, <clears throat> when you compare NASCAR today to what it was in the 1990s, early 2000s, I mean, you had tracks tearing out seating because they couldn't fill it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you hear comments of, oh there's nobody at the nascar race well the place seats a hundred thousand people you know yeah you know so i mean if you would take the total attendance and compare that to you know you know dirt racing and and whatnot you know, yeah i mean it it still has a larger attendance absolutely absolutely and speaking of nascar the herminator kenny wallace been on the show a couple of years back he's actually going to be the mc at the 2023 um, Wasota National Awards Banquet. He's gonna be a guest speaker there. So tip of the cap to Rod Lindquist for putting that together. That's an exciting deal for Wasota drivers. I know there's a few people out there, ah, he's an NASCAR guy. Kenny Wallace is a racer. He will race anything. Is he, is he obnoxious? Yeah, but he's fun, he's exciting. He's got a lot of energy. It's gonna be a good thing for the banquet. I think more people will attend. The only thing I'm hoping, right, is that people act right. Because last year when I went to the banquet, people simply would not shut up. And if that's the case this year, I think somebody needs to walk around with a taser and like, put people to sleep so people can listen to him. Um, he deserves that respect. So three bold predictions, Bert. Um, off the board this week, um, you had a couple correct. You had a... Uh, Superman Jonathan Davenport winless in Florida. Yep, he sure was. You also had Huddy wins two at East Bay. And I think we were giving you extra credit for that one. That was kind of one of those where you get an extra point, I believe. <coughs> and then you had Sweet goes winless at Volusia. That didn't happen. He, he parked yeah. in Michigan. It wasn't a real I, I, I should have clarified, but yes, <laughs> for what I said, yeah, I didn't get it correct. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he didn't win the outlaw race, but he did win one at Volusia. <laughs> so I had a couple here. and uh, So I had RTJ was going to be the Lucas Oil point leader after Speak Weeks. In fact, he is. I said the ro Rocket Chassis will win at least one at East Bay, and well, that happened. They won five. Um, I said Bishop would have zero Lucas Oil podiums. And <coughs> Jeff sent me that, and he's like, you were incorrect on that. I'm like, no. He had a podium, but it wasn't a Lucas Oil points night. That was the non-points night that he got the third. Other than that, he did not have podium in the Lucas Oil races. And then I then on the flip side, so the points he out the same, he had me having this one right, and I was wrong. Um, Kyle Strickler wins three qualifiers at Volusia. He won two qualifiers, and then he won the big gator down there. So I was I, I was wrong on that one. So he equaled out. So, Bert, you're up batting 500 right now. You got 14 right, 14 wrong, two still on the board. It's pretty good. That's pretty good numbers. You're kind of taking a lot of low-lying fruit there. I think I need to follow okay. suit. Did you give me a full point for that one? or I thought we agreed I was going to get a half a point for my – I'm nice. gonna have to. I'm gonna have to ask Jeff. Let's okay. go back and look at the points <laughs> or, Yeah. Um. 
because I got two half points, so that equals right. a full point. So, equals okay. a full yes. point. Yep. yep, yep. And I think I think that's what he did. Okay. And then I have I only have eight correct, nineteen wrong, and three still on the board. So you're batting five hundred. I am not batting five hundred. So this week, Bert, our three predictions for the week: uh, something that we can actually say that either did or did not happen. Um, <clears throat> what do you got? Um, I'm going to start off with, uh, Chris Madden wins two features in the world of outlaw shows. Split at Volusia this week. Yeah. There's three races there yet okay. this week, right? He's going to win I'm, two of them. I don't want you to say he won two world of outlaw shows and you got all year to get that. Right. Oh. So, so he <laughs> will win shows at Volusia this week. Yes. Okay. Okay. My first one is going to be David Gravel is going to be the 2023 World of Outlaw Sprint Car Champion. I That would actually be my pick if I was picking that. <laughs> um, for my second one, I will say Jimmy Owens does not get a dirt late model win in Outlaws or Lucas until April. Until April. So... So he goes winless From, through the end of March. Okay. He goes winless in World of Outlaw or Lucas specifically. I don't yes. know what's there for XR or Flow. He, them don't count. You're specifically talking Lucas or World of Outlaw. Right. Okay. And yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. There will be a multi-car crash of some kind in the final three laps of all three NASCAR events <laughs> this weekend at Daytona. <clears throat> um, my next one is also a Daytona thing. Um, less less than 20 cars will finish the Daytona 500. Wow, are you negative? Wow, <laughs> wow. All right. T-Mac is going to take home the big Gator for the Gator Championship week at Volusia. And there you have it. So episode 164 of the books, we got Volusia this week. That's that's kind of finishing up. They told the 500 this weekend. Then a little bit of time off after that. Any closing thoughts before we uh, jump off the show? Um, no. Uh, another big week of racing. And then uh, things will slow down a little bit. And I mean, yeah, it's crazy. You know, we talked about it earlier in the show that, you know, it's like, we need a break already, and we're in the middle of February. <laughs> right, right. It's crazy. I mean, there's, you never thought, I never thought I would say there's too much racing, but I think sometimes there's too much racing. I mean, you got to kind of, some. if you dial it back a little bit, you're going to have more attendance. It's just supply and demand, and hopefully these promoters figure it out before it's too late. But always fun talking racing with you, Bert. I know that you had a long day. I'm sick. I need to get some sleep myself, but uh, we're troopers. We got her done. We got the show in. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. Like it, share it, and uh, pass it along to some others. I'm Ryan. That is Bert. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show.